Good morning. Are we good? You hear me all right now? There we go. Good morning. Good to see everyone here. Welcome to worship. If you would get out your bulletins, several announcements as we get started. Are you coming up again, Chuck? All right. Good deal. Uh, on your bulletin is a tear-off. If you're a guest, fill out that blue side, put it in the offering plate. And uh, on the other side, the yellow page, if you have a prayer request, put it at the bottom, put it in the offering plate as well. We'll pray with you in our staff time on Tuesdays. On the back are opportunities for the week. We've got several things to uh, share about. Tonight, we do have our encounter service right here in the sanctuary at 5 o'clock, youth afterwards and ensemble. Deacons, there is a deacons meeting tonight at 6.30 in the John Bryant room. It is not listed in the bulletin. It does not mean you're off the hook. 6.30, come on out. Uh, make sure to be there for our deacons meeting tonight. Uh, this Wednesday, we do have our Wednesday morning Bible study at 11, and then Wednesday night suppers at 5.30. wanted to give a quick update on our Wednesday night supper. Uh, we've had some meetings and discussions, and we're trying as best we can to have Wednesday night supper every week this year, especially for the school year as we uh, have workers and families to make it as much a blessing as we can uh, for that. So a couple updates with that. And hopefully you all will be interested in helping a little bit. Cost will still be $5. Uh, the first Wednesday will be the main meal like we always do. And then the other weeks will be a lighter meal, more simple. And so we're looking for teams of people to come and help out to make this possible. For the workers, for the families and all. The cost will be $5 a person still, but only $14 for families. So take advantage of that. Some things we're going to do with this is, one, we need some men to help. Uh, whenever there's tables set up in the FLC, we're trying to keep Melvin from lifting the tables. He's got some injury issues. And so if men could help with tables, putting back and forth, that would be great. And then on Tuesdays, there is uh, unloading the truck with the food supplies and stuff. If some men would love to come and help do that so the ladies and Melvin don't have to as well, uh, talk with me about that. And uh, we're trying to help as much as possible. Um, we're going to a ticket system with our meals. Doesn't mean you have to buy a ticket in advance. We're going to start having a sign-up card in our bulletins, and you will sign up for each Wednesday night meal that you attend. You can still be on the permanent list, but let's just say Kevin's on the permanent list. He's like, oh, man. Kevin's on the permanent list, and he is coming every week, but he cannot be there one Wednesday night for meal. All he needs to do is let us know, and we won't charge him. If he is signed up, we expect him. We are going to say, Kevin, you missed, and uh, we'll give you one grace week. But next time you miss without letting us know, you're going to give a $5 blessing donation to the Wednesday night meal. And so that's what we're doing, to get people accountable for how much food we make. And it's only right if I have Hedges 5 and they plan for five meals, and I don't show up. I don't think that's right. And so we want to make sure everybody gets, starts signing up, let the church know. Just call the office a couple days in advance or the day of. Let us know you're not going to be there, and that would be great. But we would love for everyone to come be a part of that. And then we need people to help with these lighter meals. So if you have any way, even one time, you'd like to help in the kitchen, there's a green sign-up sheet in the back. Sign up for that. And... Uh, we will work it. So the ticket system is going to be this. Each time you come in, you're going to pay at the, at the table. 
They'll give you a ticket. You just bring the ticket to the serving line, turn it in. That, that way we know everybody who is there has paid, and nobody's trying to get away with a free meal. If somebody comes and they don't have money or if they're in need, talk to us, and we will certainly work it out so they do not have to pay. We will have food for those people. Everybody good? Excited. A lot of people are happy about Wednesday night meals being back every week, so let's do our best as a church to support that. Um, other quickly before we bring Chuck up, in the Dominican Republic, there is a community called Los Humildes. It's kind of an offensive name when you think about it. The humble, and it's a very, very poor community in which we've worked uh, many years, and we've, we've worked the last two years with this church there. Uh, it's a small community, meaning just a few hundred people. In this community, most people don't have shoes, and if they do have shoes, they're very, very worn out. So one of the things we have done is we have talked with our Dominican church, and he's going into that community to get a count of every kid, every young person, and every adult, and what their shoe size is approximately. And what we're going to do is for Christmas Eve, they're having a big service there, we're going to collect shoes from our church the month of October to match up with every single person in the entire community. And as a Christmas present, we're going to give a pair of shoes to every person in this neighborhood. So that's a very manageable goal. 200 people, kids, uh, youth, adults can all be a part of this. We just ask that you don't give us like really used or broken down type of shoes. They can be used, but in good shape. And so we're going to collect in the month of October all sizes of shoes, athletic shoes preferably, and then on Christmas Eve when they go to that community, which they don't ever get Christmas presents of any kind, they're going to give every person who's there a, sh a pair of shoes for a Christmas present. And what a blessing that is, and it's such a, a neat opportunity for us as a church to do. When I talked to the pastor about this idea, he was like, I am going to run there fast and start counting people and asking. He was so excited about that because it's such a great need. So pray for that and be involved when we talk about collecting shoes. So God's doing a lot of good things. We're going to show a video, and then Chuck's going to talk about Rise Against Hunger.
morning. It's a wonderful day, and it? God has truly blessed us. You know, when I, I look at this video, <clears throat> and one thing that caught my eye was a million meals packed. Can you imagine that, what it would be like to pack a million meals? More than that, think about, is it possible that maybe we could catch the bus out here and go over to the airport, jump on a plane, and fly off to a country and be able to help some people out there cooking meals? Half a million meals. Can you figure, could you think about that? Those of us who cook, imagine cooking bacon, eggs, and, and flapjacks for 100,000 people. How would that make you feel? We have an opportunity in two weeks from today, October 6th, to pack meals for many, 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 many people who are hungry this morning, people who didn't have a chance to have breakfast this morning, didn't have dinner last night, and not sure how they're going to have it tonight. We have an opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. Put things in perspective. In this country, we are very blessed. We have our clothes. We have our cars. We can go to the Kroger. We can go to Food Line and get whatever we need. There are lots of countries out here who don't have that option. We have an opportunity. We don't have to go to another country. We don't have to catch the bus anywhere. We don't have to go and write up big checks, show up two weeks from today in the FLC. This is a short trip through the breezeway, and we get to pack boxes. may not be a million meals, but we can pack 25,000 meals. We can make a difference in someone's life. <clears throat> Put a smile on their face, and we didn't even have to catch the bus to go do it. Makes us feel good because of who we are, and we know somewhere out there, there's 20, 30,000 kids that just got fed by an action that we did in this church. So I'm asking everyone here, Go get your brothers, your sisters, your parents, your grandparents. Call it Bring a Friend to Church Day. Go get your neighbors and bring them here. October 6th, we're going to have a short service in the morning, 8.30, I believe. Then we'll have a short Sunday school, and then we're going to pack meals, I believe, at 10.15. Bring them all. To sign up for, uh, for Rise Against Hunger, it can be done online. Or I don't believe Gloria's here uh, outside there, but there is a board out there for you to sign your name up. If you don't sign up there, contact either myself or Gloria or anybody on the missions development team, and they will be happy to help you out with that. Speaking of that, missions development will be meeting this Thursday night, just to throw that in there so everybody knows that. But what an opportunity. What an opportunity we have as a church to make a difference in somebody's life. <clears throat> so as we sat down to dinner this afternoon or, or lunch or or brunch when we leave here, think about that. As we're having our meals, how can I make somebody else's life different by an action that I can do, by attending Rise Against Hunger? Thank you. Hey, good morning. Let us stand and sing number 55, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. Please stand and sing with us.
2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8. Now, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have abundance for every good deed. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you this day acknowledging that you are uh, the Lord of everything, and you are the one who provides everything that we need, that there is nothing on earth that will satisfy us but you alone, Jesus. So God, as we come to you this day, as we give you this service, we pray that you have your way and that you remind us of your all-sufficiency. You remind us of, of your provision and that you are the one in whom we seek, you're the one in whom we want to bring glory to, and you're the one who we honor. So may your Holy Spirit dwell, and may you have your way in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let us turn to hymn 48, I Sing the Mighty Power of God. Number 48, I Sing the Mighty Power of God. Please stand and sing with us. Page 242 for our responsive reading, page 242, and I will do the worship leader, and together with Paul, you will do worshipers. Page 242, our responsive reading. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. 
the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. For to those who are perishing, the message of the cross is foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is God's power. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah. What a Savior. And now we turn to 511 in our hymnals to sing The Solid Rock. Number 511, The Solid Rock. Please stand and sing with us. everyone. It's a great day to be here in the house of the Lord. Yeah. Let us go to the God in prayer. God, bless these tithes and offerings that your people bring to you today to further your kingdom, to extend his knowledge and his word to those throughout the world and here at home, and to keep his church, his house, strong and in an order. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
gracious and loving God. Into your presence we come on a day that you have given to us, a day set aside for worship and praise, a day, Father, to listen for a word from you. And so we come to this place with expectations, expectations of ourselves and expectations of you as we seek to listen and learn. Help us, Father, to always be aware that there are those who would like to be with us today who are not here because of illness, injury, other things, Father, that prevent them from coming. And so we lift them to you. And pray, Father, that as we do, that you will work and minister in their lives in a way, Father, to bring whatever is necessary into their lives. Father, we all come with concerns before you. We all come, Father, seeking a word from you. We all, Father, have an understanding that you are the one who provides to us grace and mercy. And so we call upon you. We're thankful for this church, for the ministries of this place, for the work that is before us. For those, Father, who have burdens on their heart for various ministries and opportunities. May we, Father, seize these opportunities as we minister to the needs of others. We're grateful, Father, that you have provided a place for us to come and to serve and to go and to serve. And so we pray, Father, that you will burden our hearts with the realization that we are to be about your work. Father, forgive us for our apathy. Forgive us for our indifference. Help us, Father, to look to you. Allow your spirit to minister to us. We're thankful for our missionaries, for their work around the world. We're thankful that we can be a part of that work as we give and as we pray. Help us, Father, to always look to you. Bless us, Father, as we open your word this morning and come to it with an expectation. An expectation of hearing from you. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning is found in the 16th chapter of Luke, verses 19 through 31, a parable that Jesus told that many of us have heard before about a certain rich man. So we begin reading at verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. 
Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Jesus, the master storyteller, related a disturbing and thought-provoking parable about a rich man. But many of us miss the point he makes. The parable has been used as a basis for discussing both the temperature and the geography of the home of the doomed. It should bring tears to the eyes of everyone who contemplates what it will mean for a person to enter eternity outside of the favor and the salvation of God. It is very possible that Jesus told this parable not to describe hell, but to insist upon people making a proper response to the message of Moses and the prophets, or the law and the prophets. The primary message of the parable is to be found in the rich man, his condition, his response, and the catastrophe he experienced. Many of us miss the point of the parable because we identify with Lazarus. We read about how Lazarus was poor, sick, and ignored in his life and how he eventually died and went to heaven. Many of us say, this is talking about me. I am poor and ignored and mistreated and when I die, I have hope of going to heaven. We never seem to identify with the rich man and consequently we fail to hear the warning that comes to each of us personally in this powerful parable. So let's consider this story from various angles this morning. First, let's consider the rich man's riches. In verse 19, we are introduced to a rich man described as clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. His purple clothing signified that while he was not a king, he intentionally dressed like one. We might call him a poser today. The fine linen indicated that he paid much attention to his clothing and desired to use it to show others he was important. This rich man not only used his money to buy the best clothing, but feasted sumptuously, the scripture says, every day. The rich man spared no expense in regards to his meals. He had magnificent meals prepared daily for his enjoyment and amusement. All of this tells us that this rich man cared greatly about enjoying life and was passionate about pursuing pleasure, comfort, and worldly ease. Evidently, he was rich in money. We usually measure riches in terms of monetary terms. 
he was rich in food and clothing. For the parable states that he was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Perhaps he was rich in friends. Usually those who are wealthy have many wealthy friends. He was rich in leisure in that it was not necessary for him to struggle to earn his daily bread in order to keep from starving because we see that he comes and goes as he pleases. He was rich in his family. For the parable states that he had at least five brothers in his father's house. He was rich in good health at least for a time. For the parable indicates that he had a good appetite, which is usually an indication of good health, isn't it? When we stop eating, we usually are not very healthy. He was rich in talents. For unless, unless he inherited his estate, he had been successful in acquiring material goods. And if we would be honest, we would discover that the rich man rather than Lazarus is the ideal of most of us. He is the one whom we are inclined to envy. He is the one who seems to have it all worked out. For us to fail to recognize this and to identify with him in this parable is to miss the cutting edge of what Jesus Christ was trying to communicate. If we don't identify in some way with the rich man, we are missing the point. Because like all rich men, People would have known who he was. People would have envied his riches. The fact that he never was hungry. That his clothes were the best. But let's consider some other things about the rich man. Things under the surface. Consider the rich man's blindness. We also learn that he not only had great clothing and great feast, he had a great problem at his gate. At his gate was a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores. Verse 20. This poor man who was covered with sores desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. The rich man considered Lazarus a problem because Lazarus was an obstacle to his pursuit of pleasure at all cost. He made the rich man think in terms of others' needs. Lazarus reminded the rich man that there was suffering and pain in this world. Lazarus reminded the rich man that there were many people who needed help. Consider the lack of compassion of the rich man because he was covered in the finest clothing while Lazarus was covered with sores. The rich man feasted sumptuously daily while refusing to allow even the crumbs that fell on the floor to be given to the starving man at his gate. Lazarus was covered in sores with no one to protect him or care for him. In fact, it has gotten so bad that he was unable to fend off wild street dogs that licked his sores, bringing even more pain and misery and infection. Lazarus is a man with worldly sorrow. And the rich man's lack of love for Lazarus indicated his lack of love for God. Don't you find it quite interesting that the rich man is never given a name? You know why that is? The rich man is not given a name because it's where we put our name. It's where we find out who we are in relationship to the needs that we see around us. 
You see, the rich man was blind to his opportunities. He had the opportunity to meet the desperate needs of a man who was lying at his gate at the point of death. And he also had the opportunity to make preparation for eternity. And he did neither. The rich man was blind to the needs of others. Perhaps the rich man turned his head to avoid looking at Lazarus as the priest and the Levite had done concerning the man who was robbed between Jerusalem and Jericho in Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. Perhaps he was so preoccupied with his business that he never even saw Lazarus. You know, that's easy to do. To become so preoccupied with self that we don't see the needs that are right in front of us. And the rich man was blind to the issues of eternity. He failed to recognize the eternal significance of both his attitudes and his actions in the present. How terrible it is to be blind. Are you rich? And also blind to your opportunities to the need of others and the issues of eternity? But not only was the rich man blind, consider the fact that the rich man was also deaf. Did I hear you say that you did not know that the rich man was deaf? The parable does not say so, but he was. The rich man was deaf to the voice of God. In speaking about his brothers and his desire that they repent, he reveals that he had opportunities to respond to the voice of God, but for one reason or another had declined. For all practical purposes, he who hears and refuses to respond is acting as if he were deaf. He may have been hearing, but he was not listening. And we know he could not see. The rich man was deaf to the cries of distress about him. Lazarus the beggar lay at the rich man's gate full of sores and at the point of death. We can assume that as the rich man entered the gate, Lazarus would lift his hand and make some audible plea for alms or help or whatever. But the rich man did not respond. How tragic is the deafness of those who consider themselves to be God's people today. We fail to hear the desolate cries of distress of those about us who are in spiritual darkness and loneliness and who in one way or another continuously give voice to the emptiness of life as they experience it away from God. We have the message of him who can bring light and life and love to them. And yet we have acted as deaf people to our Lord's commission to evangelize the world beginning at our own home and continuing to the uttermost part of the earth. We are deaf to the cries around us and people are in need. And what they need most is what was lacking in the rich man's life. Not in Lazarus's. What they like most is spiritual renewal. And they look for it in all kinds of ways. Consider the rich man's misery when the scene turns in time as well as in eternity. In verse 22 we learn more about the character of Lazarus whose name means he whom God has helped. 
In this verse we read that the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The fact that angels carried him to heaven called Abraham's side or bosom indicates that he was a man of faith who trusted in the Lord to save him and even in his misery he had found his way to the Lord. But in verse 22 we also read that the rich man died. But unlike Lazarus who was carried to heaven, the rich man found himself in hell. Hell in this story refers to the place of the wicked prior to the judgment. It is a terrible place because Jesus says the rich man being in torment called out, Have mercy on me for I am in anguish in this flame. This rich man is experiencing anguish in the form of hellish sorrow and finds himself cut off from heaven. Abraham explained to the rich man, Remember that you in your lifetime receive your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish? The rich man pursued lust instead of the Lord, fame instead of faith, and comfort instead of the cross. And now he had found himself in an eternal place of hell. The parable does not say anything about the rich man being miserable while in time. It does emphasize the fact after he entered eternity. But a study of the parable reveals that the rich man reveals the rich man's selfishness. You see, the rich man was self-centered, and self-centeredness never produces the highest possible human happiness. We are not stretching the evidence at all to assume that even though he was rich and fared sumptuously, that he was miserable in life. For his self-centeredness in life is revealed by his blindness to the needs of Lazarus and his deafness to his cries for help while enjoying the bounty of his own riches. Someone has said that when an individual is wrapped up in himself, he always makes a mighty small package. The rich man was self-centered not only in life, but did you catch that he was self-centered in death? Notice the plea that came from his heart. Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. You know, that's arrogance, isn't it? Here, Lazarus was at his gate in torment day after day and he did nothing about it. But in death, When the tide had changed and turned, the rich man said, You know that man that was at my gate who I ignored? Send him down here so he will help me. The very idea. His sole interest was his own comfort and he immediately requisitioned the assistance of Lazarus as a servant to contribute to his comfort. It had been his habit in life to issue orders and to use men for his own personal well-being. He continued to be self-centered even in hell. The rich man again requisitioned the service of a man who had laid at his gate for days, ignored and unhelped to render a service for his five brothers. 
While the concern of the rich man for his brothers has been used to illustrate the compassion that we should have for others, it should be recognized that in his, this particular case, it was but a further expression of selfish concern for his own. Consider the rich man's brothers. The rich man understood it was too late for him now that he was in hell. But it was not too late for his brothers who were still living. The rich man for the first time became concerned about the spiritual welfare of his family. For the first time. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. They have the law and the prophets. The rich man wants Lazarus to go because he felt that if someone were to go from the dead, they would listen. And he's probably right, isn't he, if that happened. If we saw someone dead come talk to us, we would probably listen. But that's not the point. Abraham replies, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Do you see the foreshadowing? Do you see who this parable was intended for? The Pharisees and those who thought they were righteous. Even if one rises from the dead, they won't believe it. They have the law and the prophets. I've already said and mention has been made of our tendency to identify with Lazarus rather than the rich man. Perhaps we would be getting very close to the heart of this parable if we considered the possibility of identifying with these five brothers who are still among the living. Are you one of the brothers of the rich man who was not only rich but blind and deaf as well as foolish to life, a self-centered life? Do you make the decisions of life primarily on a materialistic basis? Do you live by the philosophy that a man must have bread in order to live? Are you constantly concerned with the questions, what will it cost me? What is in it for me? Do you look upon success in terms of being clothed in purple and fine linen or whatever it is you wear and faring sumptuously every day? Lord, forgive us and bring us to our senses if this is the only thing we are living for. It's kind of like the missionary in Africa said one time when someone said, you only have one necktie. And his response was, and yes, I only have one neck. Do you place spiritual values in second place rather than first place? Do the demands of your creature of eternity living in time, do you act as the grasshopper who lives for the present unaware of the fact that the frost is going to fall and the grass is going to die? Have you accepted a false scale of values that puts the material before the spiritual, the temporal before the eternal? Have you for some reason neglected to repent? To repent is something infinitely more than just being filled with remorse for past failures. Positively, repentance is both the act and the continuing attitude of making Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives. To really repent toward God is to change your attitude from an attitude of ignoring Him to recognizing and acknowledging Him. Instead of resenting Him and rebelling against Him, it is to respond to His love with a glad surrender of both the will and the emotions. 
Abraham warns that we should hear Moses and the prophets. Moses and the prophets speak to us through the law, which shows us that we are not good enough to enter into heaven. Because we are lawbreakers, we are like the rich man who demonstrate that he loves himself more than anyone else by the fact that he is more worried about having nice clothes than seeing that a poor man has any food and any clothing. rich man of the parable was rich in many things. But because of his blindness to the things that really mattered and because of his deafness to the call of God and the inner hunger of his own soul as well as to the cries of distress of those about him, he was inwardly miserable in life and forever miserably in eternity. We must see the needs around us. Several years ago during Caritas, Janet is homesick today. She's got the month in school crud that she usually gets. And so I'll tell this about her. It's a good story, but I'm just telling you, she's not here to defend herself if it were a bad story. In Caritas one year, we had all uh, ladies, all ages, young, all the way up. And we were here for one of the meals that they were serving. And Janet had on a shirt that she'd had, a a button-up shirt that she'd had for many years. And one of the young ladies complimented her shirt and said how much she liked it, how pretty it was. And Janet said, do you like it? And she said, yeah, I really do. She said, well, then you can have it. And fortunately, she had a shirt on under. And so she took the shirt off and handed it to the lady. And you would have thought that she had given her a brand new prom dress. And all it took was looking, seeing, and hearing. And it makes a difference. And I would venture to say that Janet has not missed that shirt one iota because she has a closet full, let me tell you. But in that person's life, it made a difference. And we can make a difference. You see, the Pharisees listened to Jesus tell this parable and were shocked that the rich man went to hell and Lazarus went to heaven. And you know why? They assumed that the rich man was blessed by God because he was rich and that Lazarus was cursed by God because he was poor. They failed to hear God's message of faith and failed to hear God's messenger, Jesus Christ. May God help you to open your eyes to your spiritual poverty and to your need for the spiritual riches that can come to you through repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. May God help you to hear today the warning of the rich man that you might avoid his destiny. May God help you to hear the message of Moses and the prophets concerning the Savior who came and died for our sins. He is risen from the dead and will be your Savior today if you let him become the Lord. Of your life. But what did Abraham say in verse 31? If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead.
Are you persuaded? Have you made your way to the empty tomb? Have you found your way to Christ? And if you have, are you like Jesus when he says to us, those who have ears to hear, let him hear. Let's not be blind. Let's not be deaf to the needs all around us. Who is your Lazarus? And what have you done for him? Shall we pray? Father, we are thankful for this parable from our Lord who has shown us so many things and yet shows us again of the power of a life lived for him. Help us, Father, to find a way to identify with this parable so that it will convict us and move us forward from this place in service to you and to others. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our hymn of invitation and commitment is victory in Jesus. Will you stand as we sing?
And Paul, will you introduce her to us? This is Miss Karen Gilbert. Miss Gilbert is the music teacher at Pole Green Elementary School. She's actually been at Pole Green since the school opened in 2000. So, Karen, thank you for being with us today. You sound wonderful on the piano. She's in for Linda, who is with the ladies who are at a retreat this weekend down at Becky Clark's Beach House. So thank you again, Karen, for being here today with us. We appreciate it very much. So I know they'd go out and say, now who was playing the piano today? I know that that would be their question. So I wanted to make sure that Paul had an opportunity to introduce her and thank you for being here today with us. Uh, let's bow for a benediction. Lord, as we leave today, we do so with the full assurance that you are the one who has saved us. Help us, Father, to go out into the world and not be blind and deaf to the needs around us. Help us, Father, to always graciously look to serve. Because we know, Father, that we have been served through the blood of Jesus Christ, who is with us now and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, amen.